back, uh, going back to our Proverbs uh, series. I'll do that today and, and uh, potentially next week. And then uh, in May, I want to head into a series I'm kind of excited about. I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet, but uh, I'm excited about uh, I just feel like God is, is leading me to do a series on God's love and uh, the fact that Jesus loves us and to work with that through the month of May. So that's kind of where I'm headed. But going back and picking up uh, from before Easter and Palm Sunday um, on Proverbs, I want to talk to you about two more themes out of the book of Proverbs. Um, Solomon was a man of tremendous wealth and resources, but he had a lot to say about our responsibility to those who are poor and needy, and he also had a lot to say about anger, and so those are two very different subjects, but I'm going to try to cover them uh, somewhat and give an introduction to both of those subjects from the book of Proverbs today. The first one is this whole issue of charity, and the main motivation uh, that you and I have uh, for helping the needy should be that God cares for them. God cares for them. And you see this in, uh, you go back to uh, Deuteronomy and, and some of those books and, and the laws in the Old Testament for the Jews were that they were supposed to, um, even in their fields, leave the outside edges of their fields unharvested. Now, you just stop and think about the process and what, what's going on there in terms of caring for the poor because it wasn't just a handout. The farmer didn't go out and harvest that, um, do all the work, and then give it to them or sell it and then give them money. He left the grain standing in the field. They had to come, harvest it themselves, do the work of getting it and then taking it home and doing something with it. And so, you know, I don't know what all that says about God's plan for caring for the poor, but it must say something to us about all of that. But you see, God cares about those who are needy and God cares about the poor. And he goes so far as to say that if you and I neglect the poor around us, that we insult God and we arouse his anger. Proverbs 17.5 says, Whoever mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever gloats over disaster will not go unpunished. And then Proverbs 22, verses 22 and 23 says, Do not exploit the poor because they are poor. Do not crush the needy in court. For the Lord will raise up their case and will exact life for life. Since God cares for the poor around us, for the needy around us, then we must also care for them. One of the other themes that comes out in Proverbs and the verses that I share with you from Proverbs today are just, you know, some I picked out, but there's a lot of other verses in Proverbs to fit any one of these points that I'm making today. But one of the general principles in Proverbs is this that you and I, if we care about the needy and the poor around us, uh, we will be rewarded for that, and, and that God will discipline us for shutting our ears to the cries of the poor um, around us. Proverbs 3, 27 and 28 says, Do not withhold good from those from whom it, or to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. 
Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. And then Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And then Proverbs 19, verse 17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. And then this verse in Proverbs 21, 13, Whoever shuts their eyes to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. One of the ways uh, that this church uh, helps meet that need of meeting the needs of the needy and the poor is by supporting and partnering with two other ministries, Bacchanal Rush Ministries in Watford City and then World Hope International that deals with a lot of social needs all around the world. Um, and so part of your offering this morning goes to support um, World Hope International, and then annually we give a, a large gift to Bacchanal Rush Ministries. But that's one of the ways that you and I help with, but there's also times when those needs just come to our own doorstep, and, and you and I need to step in. Robert Lupton uh, wrote a book called Toxic Charity, and he said if we really want to help the poor then we have to be responsible to make sure that our charity helps and doesn't hurt them. And he makes the case in his book that a lot of times the way that we go about helping people in need often does not help them. It it ends up hurting them. And so he, he says we have to be careful about that. He says, a crisis requires emergency intervention, and a chronic problem requires development. And so I want to talk just a little bit about that. You know, a crisis is like when we help with Wesleyan Relief, Emergency Relief Fund. Um, we've done that a couple times when Haiti had that horrible, horrible um, earthquake. Um, our church sent several thousand dollars to Wesleyan Emergency Relief Fund. That was a crisis, and the way we responded to that was with a crisis um, response. Um, we we intervened with a um, in, in, with a crisis intervention, and we sent some aid and helped um, Haiti in, in that. But he says a chronic problem requires development. In other words, if you have something like um, the spread of um, malaria or cholera or something or other um, like that, you don't just dump a bunch of money somewhere and hope that that's going to solve the problem. Um, you have to come up with a program or a de- develop a program to, to eliminate it and look at the broader picture. That didn't happen in just a, a crisis event. Um, those kind of things. So he says, address a chronic need with a crisis intervention and people are harmed. If there's somebody who's on drugs and you respond with a crisis intervention, you haven't helped that person at all. You probably have enabled them to continue um, their lifestyle. And so he says you have to come up with a different solution for each uh, kind of need that is out there. Lupton also is quoted in in the same book. He says, "Give once, and you elicit appreciation. 
Give twice and you create anticipation. Give three times and you create expectation. Give four times it becomes entitlement and give five times and you establish dependency. Um, and so he says you have to be careful about the way um, that you give. John Perkins um, is, is more of a, um, very involved in third world countries and all of that. Um, and he writes in one of his books more from a secular viewpoint, but he writes, acts of charity can be dangerous because the givers can feel good about their actions even when they accomplish very little or even create dependency. Undisciplined giving can be um, just as destructive as the poverty it was meant to alleviate. And so he says, you just want to be careful in the way that you go about meeting needs and uh, solving poverty and all of that. At our last uh, minister, uh, Macedonian ministry meeting that we had in April, um, we always have a subject that we sit around and study um, in addition to prayer time and other things that we do at that meeting. Um, but this last, this last meeting uh, just so happens that it was on charity and meeting needs of those around us and all that kind of stuff. And I actually thought it was probably one of the best um, studies that we'd done and easy to apply to all of our different circumstances. But when we got all done with that meeting, one of the things that stood out was some of these things that I hadn't actually um, thought through very much myself, some of them. And, and this, this first one, you know, when, when a need is presented, somebody comes and, and they want some charity from you, um, we, we just tend to jump right in. And, and one of the things we concluded at our meeting was that um, we ought to stop and ask God if, if this need is a need that he wants us to meet. Because maybe he wants someone else to meet it. Or maybe we don't, he, you know, he doesn't intend to give us the resources to meet that need. He wants us to use the resources we have to meet a different kind of need. And so he says, you know, sometimes we ought to stop and ask God um, if this is a need he wants us to meet. And, um, you know, perhaps um, sometimes we ought to do that even in, with the person that, that is asking for help. Um, say, well, I need to stop and pray about this. Um, and then this, this next one is the one that really caught me off guard. And I thought, my goodness, um, I have never really given that much thought. Ask them if they have prayed to God for him to meet their need. <laughs> because if I stop and I meet every need that comes along and I never ask them that question, I have just taught them to trust in me rather than to trust in God. And the goal of every Christian ought to be to help people find in Jesus what they need. And, and, and so this, this was uh, something that really has been floating through my mind a lot, um, that we need to stop when people come to us and they have a need, we need to take the opportunity to pray with them and to ask them, have you prayed for God to meet this need or did you just run to me <laughs> first? Um, so we need to ask them that. And, and then this, this next one um, may seem a little bit 
um, harsh, but sometimes we just need to ask enough questions just to see if they're telling the truth. Um, because especially, um, you know, in, in town, and, and sometimes I'm, I'm out far enough away that I don't get a lot of this, but it's amazing the people that will just run from one church to another church and within minutes of each other, and their stories will change from here to there and somewhere else, and that's part of the reason that we've, we've worked hand-in-hand in, hand in working with Bacchanal Rush Ministries and Salvation Army and all of that so that all of our resources are interconnected and we know what we're dealing with and so that we don't have five different churches all helping meet one need that isn't real and taking their resources away from people that really need help. And so... Um, that's one of the, the next things. And then, and then give them some choices. Um, maybe the person who comes to us with a need doesn't really even know exactly what their worst need is. And sometimes we need, you know, somebody can come and say, well, I'm hungry, I want food. Well, maybe, um, or they want money. Well, maybe money isn't what they really need. <laughs> Maybe I need to take them to Taco John's and just buy them food and <laughs> help them that way. Um, and so sometimes we can give some choices to people and, and, and talk to them long enough to find out what a real need is that we can meet. And then one of the last reminders that's always good for all of us is that sometimes God has sent somebody to us to meet a need, but God has sent them to to us for our benefit, not so much for theirs. Um, this this last week, and I can't remember now whether it was Tuesday or Wednesday, I think it was Tuesday, um, I got a call from the school and there was a man who said he had walked nearly 20 miles that morning, had stopped at uh, the pipeline or used up all of his money, uh, had lunch and then came up to the school. And um, so I came over uh, to meet him and and he needed to get to Watford, and his feet were sore, and he had loafers on with no socks, shorts, and a t-shirt, and it was cold. It wasn't a warm day, and if he indeed had walked 20 miles to get here, um, it was really cold when he started out. <laughs> but he, you know, he said he was fleeing a bad situation and all of that, and I'm I was planning to head up to Williston for an appointment and I had other things going and I had my day all planned out neatly and orderly and, and everything going together. And uh, I got that call, came over, took him home and I, you know, got, figured out what his need was, what he, what he perceived it was. And the first thing he wanted was clothes, uh, <laughs> which I didn't have any to fit him. <laughs> and he was a pretty big guy and so, um, I says, well, I can get you to Watford, and I know a place that can help you with that. And I texted them, let them knew I, know that I was coming and all of that. And then um, talked to him some more and, and found out that his brother from Seattle was going to help get a, a bus ticket to go back to Seattle and all of that, and that he wanted to get to Williston the next day to catch the bus and all of that. I says, well, I'm going today, and I could take you. But he said, no. I've got some things I want to do in Watford before. And so I said, well, what I can do is I can get you to Watford. I can do that, and I can get you to Bacchanal Rush Ministries and, and uh, take care of that. 
So I did that, got in there, introduced him to Jim and Kathy, and, and uh, they were working around to uh, find clothes his size and all of that. But that's basically all I did. Now, did I go through this list very well? No. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I still think that part of the reason God sent him to me this week was to give me a chance to think through this a little bit more effectively. It may have been just as much for my benefit as it was for him uh, that we met. Uh, because, you know, um, I didn't necessarily... Uh, stop and pray, is this a need I needed made? I knew he couldn't be here at the school. Um, I knew I needed to get him away from there. Um, that that was the number one thing. But I did stop and, and talk to him, and I talked to him you know, about his faith and some of those things on the way into town. Um, but, you know, it, it kind of, you know, I got to Williston, didn't have some of the things I maybe would have had if I had had that time to pull everything together and all of that. But that, that was, you know, an event this week that just happened that helped me realize, you know, that there, you know, I need to have a process. I need to think through how can we really help people? God cares about those people. Now, one issue also related to uh, the poor is this matter of justice. It is really easy for people to take advantage of the poor simply because they don't have the resources to get a fair shot at justice. And you say, well, yeah, but we're Christians. We wouldn't do that. Well, um, in the Old Testament, there were lots of places, the minor prophets, the number one problem they had in the minor prophets with God's people was that they took advantage of the poor among them. The number one, you, you read through the Minor Prophets and it comes up again and again, that subject of Jews taking advantage of other Jews who were poor. So God cares about that. One of the wicked American games that we play um, is, is making false accusations uh, through the legal system, knowing that when the truth finally comes out, that the person's reputation has been shot and there's no way to recover the good name. And we do that kind of stuff in our legal system today. And I just want to stand up and say, that does not please God. God cares about justice. Not only should we avoid injustice, but we need to be careful about taking an offense and blowing it up to something bigger than it is. That doesn't mean that we overlook injustice. We need to stand for uh, stand up against those things. But it does mean that we don't turn an offense into something uh, more than it is. Um, because we are always doing one of two things. And too often in my life, you know, I've been doing the wrong thing. We are either fostering love or we are fostering an offense. And we have to choose which side we're on there. Um, and we need to be careful about that. Proverbs 3.30 says, Do not accuse anyone for no reason when they have done you no harm. Proverbs 12.16, Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Proverbs 17, 9, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. And then Proverbs 24, 28 says, 
Do not testify against your neighbor without cause. Would you use your lips to mislead? Now, that's the whole subject of charity in a nutshell. There's a lot more there, but we have to remember that when we're dealing with the poor and the needy, that we need to make sure that we protect justice for them. The second subject is that of anger. And uh, so you kind of feel like you got two separate sermons here this morning. So you just put a break in there. And now you get your second sermon. <laughs> um, hopefully shorter than the verse. Proverbs 14, uh, 16 and 17 says, The wise fear the Lord and they shun evil. But a fool is hot-headed and yet feels secure. A quick-tempered person does foolish things. And the one who devises evil schemes is hated. Proverbs 14, 29 through 30 says, Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. One of the, one of the things, if you were to take all the things that Proverbs has to say about anger, one of the things it says uh, in so many words, is never let anger get in the driver's seat of your life. Anger is just an emotion. Like all other emotions, it's neither good nor bad if it's in its own place. But as soon as you let that emotion get in the driver's seat of your life, um, it will lead you down a path that you will end up regretting. Um, anger is never going to help us uh, once it's in the driver's seat. And, and so you can see that. Um, you know, we talked about it in Sunday school, all the different scenarios we've seen out on the highways in the last five years, um, and that's lessening up a lot. But, you know, all of us have seen some, been involved in some road rage uh, situations where, you know, people just got so they wanted to be somewhere and it didn't matter what was going to happen, they were going to pass going uphill and and jump in front of you and all kinds of, of different situations. Martin Luther um, said, you may be moved, I know full well, and think you have just reason to be angry and avenge yourself, but be careful not to do what anger dictates. For we, if we are led by anger, it will not let us do anything right. Again, that whole driver's seat idea. Make sure that anger doesn't get in the driver's seat. Now, there are good forms of anger and there are bad forms of anger. Um, there should be righteous anger against things like social injustice, violence, sexual abuse, uh, sexual trafficking, child trafficking, uh, racism, heresy, all those kind of things. Um, there needs to be some righteous anger that needs to be, at, but even that needs to be controlled lest it become unrighteous anger. When, when I get so angry about abortion that I shoot the abortion doctor, um, you know, that's completely <laughs> missed the whole, whole mark. Um, that's righteous anger that has taken an unrighteous avenue. Unrighteous anger is anger that we have lost control of. And, and a lot of times that becomes anger that the devil is a, actually becoming in control of. Um, 
Unrighteous anger is anger where we are more concerned about self-satisfaction than we are the glory of God. And we have to stop and we have to think about, okay, what is my anger really concerned about? And a lot of times we can deceive ourselves into thinking it is about, you know, something righteous when it's really about ourselves. And we have to be careful about that. Um, Unrighteous anger carries with it an element of pride in it, thinking that we deserve better or that we are owed something. And we have to um, stop and think about that. What, what is the root cause of the anger that we're experiencing? Because the, the results of unrighteous anger are never pretty. Proverbs fifteen eighteen says, A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict. But the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Proverbs twenty nine twenty two says, An angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Now, one of the things about anger is this. Anger is a really good indication that our life has become unmanageable. Um... And therefore, if, if I'm having a lot of anger, it means it's time to make some changes. Um, that may mean that we, meet, we may need to become less passive and stand up for ourselves in a clear, firm, and loving manner. Uh, sometimes that means that we may need to completely change what we're doing or how we are handling a situation in our life. Sometimes anger just shows us that our thinking the way we think about something is, is foolish. Max Licato uses the illustration of rock chips and likens anger to a rock chip. If we handle the rock chips that come our way with anger, we end up um, spreading them uh, into all these little cracks that go across the windshield. He said we need to be careful when the rock chips come our way. And every one of us is going to have things that would offend us. Every one of us is going to have um, some things. So what are we going to do with those rock chips? We have to figure that out in our lives. And we also have to be very careful that we're not the source that causes the rock chips in other people's lives. Proverbs says, fools vent. Wise people watch their tongues when they get a rock chip. Proverbs 29.11 says, Fools give full vent to their rage, and the wise bring calm in the end. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, but whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Proverbs 26, 20, and 21 says, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. So the question is, when a rock chip hits us, what do we do? Well, there's a couple of things that Proverbs would say to us. First, we need to remember that, that sometimes it is best for us to just leave it in the hands of God and let God deal with it. Proverbs 20.22 says, Do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord and he will avenge you. Another thing that we can do is when a rock chip hits us, we should remember that sometimes it's best for us simply to overlook it. Proverbs 19, verse 11 says, When a person's wisdom yields patience, it is to one's glory to overlook 
on offense. Those two themes, um, charity and anger, are very different themes. But those are themes that are common throughout the book of, of Proverbs. And so as we close this morning, I, I have put together just a real short prayer. Um, and I'd like us to stand and uh, say it all together that sums up these two themes from the book of Proverbs. Lord, and you can say it with me, Lord, make us like you. Fill us with compassion and charity. May we give others their due. Help us practice justice with equity. May we take our rob chicks and honor you. Save us from anger rooted in vanity. Amen.